Chapter 16 of Idiala. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Idiala by Sarah Grand. Chapter 16. The following week, Idiala came to London, but not to us. She had promised to stay with some other people first. She wrote three times to Lorimer while she was with them. First, to thank him for his kindness, to which he replied briefly, begging her to confide in him and let him help her. In her second letter, Idiala told him what had occurred. His reply was businesslike. He urged her to let him consult his legal friends about her case, pointed out that she could not be expected to remain with her husband now, and showed her that she would not have to suffer much from all the publicity which was necessary to free her from him. She replied that her first impulse had been to obtain legal redress, but that now she could not make up her mind to face the publicity. She would see him, however, when she returned, and consult him about it, and she would also like to consult those books in the library. Her buoyant spirit was already recovering, under the influence of a new interest in life. Lorimer's answer was formal, as his other notes had been. He begged her to make any use of the library she pleased, only to let him know when to expect her, that she might have no trouble with the officials, and offered her any other help in his power. In the meantime, my sister Claudia had seen Idiala, and had been pleased to find her not looking well, certainly, but just as cheerful as usual. It is evident the place does not agree with her, Claudia said, but a few weeks with us will set her all right again. They drove in the park together one afternoon, and talked, as usual, of many things, the state of society being one of them. This was a subject upon which my sister descanted frequently, and it was from her that Idiala learnt all she knew of it. Can you wonder, Claudia said on this occasion, that men are immoral when ladies in society rather pride themselves than otherwise on imitating the demimonde? Have you ever noticed, Idiala answered indirectly, how frequently a word or phrase which you know quite well by sight, but have never thought of and, and do not understand, is suddenly brought home to you, as it were? You come across it everywhere, and at last take the trouble to find out what it means in self-defense. That expression, demimonde, has begun to haunt me since I came to town, and I feel I shall be obliged to look it up at once to stop the nuisance. We went to a theater the other night, and when we were settled there, I saw my husband in the stalls with a lady in flame-colored robes. I didn't know he was in town. The rest of our party saw him, too, and the gentleman had a mysterious little consultation at the back of the box. Then one of them left us, but returned almost immediately, and told us the carriage had not gone, and hadn't we better try some other theatre? The piece at that one was not so good as they had supposed, but I knew they had taken a lot of trouble entirely on my account to get a box there, as I had expressed a wish to see that particular piece and I said I had come to enjoy it and meant to. 
I did enjoy it, too. It was so absorbing that I forgot all about my husband, and I don't know when he left the theater. I only know that he disappeared without coming near us. When we got back, Lillian came to my room and told me they were all saying downstairs that I had behaved splendidly, and I said I was delighted to hear it, particularly as I did not know how or when or where I had come to deserve such praise. And then she asked me if I knew who it was my husband was with, and I, I said no. Some alderman's wife, I supposed. Nothing half so good, she answered. That woman is notorious. She is one of the demimonde. Well, I said, I don't suppose she is in society. And then Lillian said, Good gracious, Idiala, how can you be so tranquil? You must care. I think you are the most extraordinary person I have ever met. And I told her that the only extraordinary thing about me just then was a great exposition of sleep that had come upon me. And then she left me. But she told me afterwards that she thought I was acting and came back later to see if I really could sleep. And you did sleep, Idiala? Like a top, why not? But now you are following suit with your ill-conducted people and your demi-moaned. I want to know what you mean by that phrase. Then Claudia explained it to her. But I thought all that had ended with the Roman Empire, Idiala protested. Claudia laughed, and then went on without pity, describing the class as they sink lower and lower, and cruelly omitting no detail that might complete the picture. But the men are as bad, said Idiala. Oh, as bad, yes, was the answer. Idiala was pale with disgust. And we have to touch them, she said. Her ignorance of this phase of life had been so complete, and her faith in those about her so perfect, that the shock of this dreadful revelation was almost too much for her. At first, as the carriage drove on through the crowded streets, she saw in every woman's face a hopeless degradation, and in every man's eyes a loathsome sin. And she exclaimed, as another woman had exclaimed on a similar occasion, "'Oh, Claudia, why did you tell me? It is too dreadful. I, I cannot bear to know it.' "'How can a woman be at once so clever?' And such a fool as you are, Idiala, puzzles me, Claudia remonstrated, not unkindly. She had warmed as she went on, and forgot in her indignation to take advantage of this long-looked-for opportunity to speak to Idiala about her own troubles. And afterwards, when she showed an inclination to open the subject, Idiala put her off with a jest. Le mariage est beau pour les amantes, et utile pour les sons she quoted lightly, class me with the saints, and talk of something interesting. A few days later, Claudia came to me in dismay. What do you think, she said? Idiala is not coming to us at all. She says she must go back at once. Go back, I exclaimed. And why? She is going to write something, for which she requires to read a great deal, and she says she must go back to work. But that is nonsense, I protested. She can work as much as she likes here. I can even help her. I know that, Claudia answered, 
but she spoke so positively I could not insist. I suppose the truth is her husband has ordered her back, and she is going to be a good, obedient child, as usual. Does she seem at all unhappy? No, and that is the strange part of it. She has coolly broken, I don't know how many other engagements to return at once, and instead of seeming disappointed, she simply glows and is glad. She says nothing, but I can see it. I don't know what on earth she is up to now. And Claudia left the room, frowning and perplexed. When I heard she was not unhappy, this sudden whim of Idiala's did not disturb me much. Indeed, I was rather glad to think she had found something to be enthusiastic about. Her fits of enthusiasm were rarer now, and I thought this symptom of one a good sign. It was odd, though, that I had not seen her while she was in town. I was half inclined to believe she had avoided me. End of chapter 16